For the last 20 years, Nationwide has been committed to working with fee-based financial professionals like you to help prepare your clients for every phase of their financial lives. They do this by delivering innovative solutions, services, and support designed to complement the way you do business. To learn more, visit nationwideadvisory.com. And thank you to Nationwide for sponsoring the WealthStack podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode two of the WealthStack podcast. I'm Mark Bruno, Managing Director of the Wealth Management Group at Informa Connect. And I am very much looking forward to our discussion here today, which will be on the topic of embedded finance um, with none other than Danny Fava, the head of strategic development at InvestNet. Danny, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Mark. Very much looking forward. I've, I've read quite a bit about embedded finance, uh, a couple of the blog posts that you've done. I've seen some op-eds and columns that you've done for some of the industry publications, but haven't had the chance to sit and talk with you at length about, you know, one, what embedded finance actually is, but you know, two, you've used the term, uh, the next big disruption, if you will, um, in finance here. And I'm obviously intrigued. Um, I love the idea of a big disruption. Uh, many disruptions are a lot less interesting, um, but would love to just start with, you know, exactly what embedded finance is, because I think it can take a lot of different forms and mean a lot of different things here. But what's the simplest way for you to describe you know, to our audience what embedded finance is and why you think it's the next big disruption? Sure. So let me start with the definition. Simply stated, embedded finance is taking traditional financial services products and placing them inside of non-traditional places like consumer apps. So think about the areas of traditional finance, whether that be saving, lending, investing, insurance, et cetera. Taking those categories and putting them into apps that users are already using throughout their everyday lives, like PayPal, like Starbucks, like any consumer app that the user might be traversing is now going to be an ideal place to embed financial services. Okay, so that really simplifies it. But taking it a step further, we'd love to get your take on what some day in the life examples are and really how you kind of see this playing out in the future. I know you mentioned PayPal and you mentioned Starbucks. Um, and essentially, when you mention those apps, I'm using those apps far more often than I'm using any sort of financial services related apps, right? So how might this sort of play out um, over time, uh, if it becomes commonly or frequently or just yeah. deeply embedded, if you will. Yeah. I, and I love some of the use cases. I'm going to uh, tell you some of my favorites. But before I do, something you said there was really interesting. And that was, you know, you're using PayPal and you're using Starbucks apps way more often than your financial services app. And I want to pause there and think about that for a second, because of the top 20 most popular brands in this country, not one of them is a financial services institution. So that means so much for the consumer base, right? Who will we rely on in the future to go to with our financial needs? Will it be a financial services company you know, that has a very trusted brand inside of financial services, or could it be one of our more favorite brands that we interact with every day? Hmm. And because finance is such a big part of life, right? It's tied to your wellness, your happiness, your mental health. 
I could very much see a future where we rely on our favorite brands and the brands that we interact with the most to offer these financial services. And now let me tell you some examples of those things, right? So I'm going to start with one that's way out there. I'm going to start with an example that's like way outside of what you would traditionally think of as a financial services app. Let's talk about somebody like DraftKings or FanDuel, right? So you go, the story is you kind of go to those sites uh, for fantasy football. If you're a football fan and that's what you do on the weekends, you play your fantasy football. I do that. And I do that from September to February. And then in February, if I've got money left over in my account, uh, because I won, you know, because I'm so good at fantasy football, <laughs> I would take that money and I would transfer it to my bank. And I wouldn't come back to DraftKings or FanDuel until September, until, you know, I would stay out of that app for seven months until mm-hmm. the football season came back. And that's a problem for embedders. And it's actually a problem for me because I then have to go uh, down, re-update the app, figure out my login, go, you know, get all of these other offers from other gambling sites. And so it's kind of a disconnected process. Well, what if I could invest that money right on DraftKings into some kind of a managed portfolio and leave that money growing in the off season? That's a much better use case for me personally. And it's a much better use case for a DraftKings or a FanDuel because your users will now come back regularly. They will remain engaged in the off season and they will remain loyal, right? So in in September, when I'm getting all these free bet offers from other apps, all of a sudden, you know, I I start to ignore those because I know I have money growing at DraftKings or FanDuel and I know I want to engage with that app because that's where I, you know, I've left some of my financial picture. Now that's a real kind of far out there use case, right? Like, I mean, putting financial services and some kind of advice product in some kind of investment into a gambling app seems crazy. But when you think of the use cases, it actually, it becomes kind of a lot more realistic. Some other examples I like to use are, you know, anywhere where there's idle cash sitting, AKA your Starbucks card, your Dunkin' Donuts card, or where there's cash passing through. So think about a gig worker who's Uber driving or Lyft driving or Instacart shopping. They're getting paid on that app for their services or an eBay or an Etsy where you're reselling something um, or sell. you have a small business where you're selling on Amazon Marketplace and you're getting paid through those apps. Those are other places that make a lot of sense to have embedded investing, embedded savings, right? So you can start to see how this all plays out and, and really starts to make a lot of sense. And I, I think that that segment of financial services is really um, about to explode. As a matter of fact, uh, some of the stats that I like to use are from the FinTech Times uh, that 73% of brands, all brands, three quarters of all brands plan to launch embedded financial services in the next three years which is astronomical. That's pretty phenomenal. And I, I will say, I mean, the way you brought it to life, you mentioned DraftKings and FanDuel and, 
positioned it as being out there. I don't think it's out there at all. Uh, I actually could see an instance where, you know, my financial advisor pops in and says, are you sure you want to join another fantasy football league? Because you never <laughs> win, right? But uh, when you mentioned just the idled cash, right? And how little you know, work your money is doing for you sitting in you know, a FanDuel or a DraftKings account, it's a great point. Um, and there's far more interaction, I'm sure, <laughs> with a FanDuel account on a Sunday than there is with any of the major brokerages, banks, or other financial institutions, right? Exactly. Um, and I, I, I think it's a, a phenomenal concept. I, what I'd love to understand, um, you've used the term super app as well. Um, what exactly does that mean? And is a, a FanDuel a super app? Is a Starbucks a super app? Or is it really more just a you know, sort of a, a central thesis that you have here for where embedded finance kind of lives and takes place most frequently? Yeah, so super app is something that's sort of foreign to us at the moment. Um, I don't think that uh, America, the United States, has any super apps yet. We have apps that are coming close, but really where the term comes from is from WeChat in China. And in WeChat, you can do pretty much anything. As a matter of fact, there's not much you do outside of the WeChat app. It really contains all of your e-commerce, all of your financial services, all of your social media is embedded inside of this one app, right? We haven't gotten there in the United States yet, but this is kind of the, the nirvana that some apps are trying to get to. I think one of the closest might be PayPal. What PayPal has done over the past couple of years is they've added some crypto investing. They've signaled that they're gonna add stock investing. They have charitable giving. By the way, if you haven't used PayPal's charitable giving, it's so integrated and so easy to use. You may never use another charitable giving app. So they've added so many things that are kind of like integral to your life beyond just e-commerce, beyond just paying for a product got rewards and credit. Um, so they're really kind of, I think their vision is to be that super app. You can make okay. direct deposit now there too. I can see them expanding into, you know, employer benefits. They're, they've got really sort of um, a high sites or a big vision around becoming this super app. Interesting. And yeah, PayPal is a good one. Um, are there other apps that you would give sort of or maybe or foreshadowing, foreshadowing, excuse me, uh, sort of super app concept? You know, I think about just the rise of personal payments apps. I yeah. think about, unfortunately, how much I use Venmo these days. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how much more I use it than cash. Um, are those the types of apps that you could have the potential to become these you know, super apps? Yes, I think any app where you as a user are spending a lot of time or frequenting and an app that you trust and has a good user experience has the potential to become our country's first super app. I think in a lot of ways, Facebook was heading down this road. Um, mm. I think Facebook has lost a lot of trust and that's going to hurt their ability to get there. Amazon, in a lot of ways, you know, they've they've got all of um, our behavior kind of nailed down. They're a good candidate for um, embedded finance and then becoming the future uh, super app. But I want to go back to something else that you mentioned, Mark, which I really get get excited about because it's the 
it's the beginning of the story of embedded finance. And that was payments, right? You said, Mm -hmm. you know, these digital payments that a lot of stores um, and apps started to implement their own payment system, right? And they did it very purposefully so that they would stop having to pay those uh, high interchange fees to credit card companies. So they implemented their own digital payments. Little did we know at the time, but as this was happening, this wave of digital payments, what was really happening was the door was being open to embedded finance and everything that's going to come after, right? The payments was the catalyst that kind of started it all. Now we can consume almost any financial service via an API. So these apps and stores are already doing their own payments. And then they're saying, hang on a second, outside of these payments, can we help people save? Are there banking APIs? Well, absolutely there are. Banking Mm -hmm. as a service is a very big industry right now. Can we help our clients trade? As a matter of fact, there's a a company called Bumped, which I, I think is, is kind of starting to hit on this as well, where you can get stock as a reward for being you know, a shopper at different brands. Well, McDonald's is one of those brands and they were bumped with giving McDonald's uh, $5 in McDonald's stock. And that drove a 120% increase in spend at McDonald's. Now that's unbelievable because you would yeah. think that McDonald's is sort of a commodity, right? Where you're never going to really increase your McDonald's intake for, but this kind of <laughs> just shows how much a brand could benefit from getting into embedded finance. So that, that payments is sort of um, something that's already happened, but it really was the very beginning of this whole wave of embedded finance. Yeah. No, it's a great way of looking at it, um, you know, very rare that, you know, personally, I stopped to think about how much my behaviors have changed. It's every once in a while, like when my, my girls who are 13 were at carnival at their school this weekend, and they wanted fried Oreos and ran out of cash, they text me and ask for my Venmo, right? and they can pay somebody on the spot, you know, $6 with, you know, my Venmo. Um, and I'm realizing how much the world and our behaviors has changed, right? So I think about 10 years from now, right? Um, what will their world look like when it comes to saving and investing um, and planning? And that actually leads me to my next question. You know, a lot of what you're talking about is or feels like future state. Um, and you mentioned the super apps. Now, we're not quite there yet, um, but you know, we'll get there in time. How far away are we from actually living in this embedded world that you're describing? Uh, I think Three to five years is my best is my best guess. Um, things are moving very quickly, and from where I'm sitting, um, and where Investnet is positioned, I see that this market is very ripe and very excited about increasing access to to these financial services. And I want to I want to say something about you know your your girls using your Venmo account to buy um, their snacks at the festival. That's also like, think about that. Who will your daughters know as the trusted financial services brand, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Venmo. <laughs> like Absolutely. Venmo is their trusted financial services brand. So I think we're three to five years away from truly having an embedded finance sort of um, disrupted economy. But I think we're about 
10 to 15 years away from financial traditional financial services brands changing, right? The landscape of who is the trusted financial services brand for the next generation. It is not um, the same firms that we're used to. It's somebody like Venmo. uh, And it's because kids at a very young age are interacting with these brands. Absolutely. They're way more familiar with Venmo and Acorns um, than they are with any brick and mortar (laughs) financial institution. That is absolutely for sure. Um, you know, I, I do want to ask you, obviously, our audience here is primarily financial advisors. Um, and what you're talking about here is obviously you know, big disruption, uber macro change. Um, but if you could kind of bring it down to the local level a bit, um, you know, why is this concept of embedded finance in the direction that we're heading? Why is it so important for financial advisors to understand right now? A couple of reasons. First, I would say that embedded finance is going to cause a little bit more chaos, right? So I think in the future, a financial advisor's superpower is actually going to be bringing it all together and making sense of all of the complexity. Today, a financial advisor's superpower is perhaps, or they're, they're, what they're most known for perhaps, is helping people plan for retirement. I think that changes in the future and embedded finance plays a big role there, which is we're going to have more money in more places than ever before. We're going to have multiple accounts at multiple consumers. We're going to be engaging with saving and investing in ways that we never had before. And the next best action for the client is going to become a little bit harder to measure. And that's what we at InvestNet call the intelligent financial life, right? It's bringing all of that that complexity together and enabling the advisor to be the superhero of, hey, I can bring that together for you using this technology. I can help you make sense of all of this. And I can tell you what your next best action is. Um, So I think embedded finance really kind of shifts the focus of the advisor, right? You're we're not going to stop customers from engaging in these in these apps and in these services. But what we can do is make sure that they're living a, a healthy financial life when we bring it all together in one picture. I worry a little bit about some of the um, embedded finance um, tools like buy now, pay later, right? So we've got At every checkout, you'll see a buy now, pay later option, which is a way for you to get instant credit. It's quite successful with these these next generations because even millennials, 23% of millennials don't have a credit card. Millennials don't like to take out um, debt. So I think buy now, pay later has been successful because it's sort of that like immediate on the spot, oh, I can do this. I don't really need to use my use a credit card. I don't like credit cards, but it kind it creates chaos and it creates um, separation where I might not know how much I owe month to month anymore, you know. And it, it's it's difficult to keep track of. And so I think embedded finance will it, it's good for access. It's going to increase the accessibility of many different tools within financial services to people who haven't had access before, which is very good. 
Um, but it is also going to cause a lot of a lot more complexity, which financial advisors are going to have to help their clients with. Another thing I think that embedded finance is going to do is it's it's actually going to lead to, and this is I would say more on the five to seven years out, it's going to lead to very interesting lead generation opportunities for financial advisors. So everyone knows, you know, gone are the days of having in-person seminars where our advisor leads going to come from next. Some may say social media, and I think there's merit in that. But I'm going to say that actually these embedded financial services tools are going to play a role. So I look at somebody like American Express, who has just launched a full financial planning tool. Um, they partnered with a startup called Bodeswell. It's a very nice, got a very nice look and feel, very um, self-driven. Well, if you've got you know thousands of customers filling out a financial plan on American Express, then what you've actually created is a really interesting lead gen opportunity for financial advisors. How that shapes out in the future, I'm not sure, but what I can say is that financial advisors should be aware of these potential opportunities because at some point they will become available. And I think we'll we'll all as an industry need to take those pretty seriously. And we, we want to be engaged and involved in those opportunities. Yeah, that's a, a great point too. It's it's uh you know, just in terms of lead generation, you think about financial advisor could obviously have access to your information and obviously they could reach out whenever they might want to, but more importantly, they have a sense of your behaviors and your sort of your immediate needs, right? Um, which yeah, in a way, if you add that all up, all the various touch points that you've mentioned throughout this discussion here, the financial advisor has the ability to be so much more informed, you know, if and when they pick up the phone, send an email, right? or reach out to a prospect in the environment that you've just mentioned. So I know it's five to seven years out, but looking forward to seeing how that all comes together um, and how that just accelerates the adoption more broadly of financial advice. Uh, so Danny, before we let you leave, and this has been awesome, I appreciate you walking through this, it, it is, is such an important topic um, and it's such a big concept, but you've done a great job of really practically describing how it you know touches the, the day in the life of every investor or consumer potentially, and also how it could change financial advice um, more specifically. Is there anything else just around the subject of embedded finance that you would point out or add as our audience tries to understand not only what it is, but why it's important and how they can start to educate themselves about it? Yeah, my advice is always test and experiment and experience these things um, as new features come out as new platforms become available. I know it we don't we all don't have a lot of extra time, but the best thing that you could do is just try out, experiment and be aware of what is coming out. I actually find this to be a great sort of um, intern project, mm-hmm. which I love to um, engage an intern with every summer is you know I want I want a rundown of what the latest and greatest, innovations are in financial services, what are all the different ways you can invest? And tell me something unique about each one of those places. For financial advisors, you know, who who have um, staff or interns to do that, um, or maybe want to employ uh, a younger person, um, that's a great project. And I would say definitely um, 
stay, stay connected <laughs> to the changes yeah. that are happening. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for joining the Wellstack podcast. I appreciate it. And now that I have a, a fried Oreo vendor in my contacts, I'll have to follow up and send you a thank you present um, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> for walking through embedded finance um, and explaining it as well as you did. So Danny, thank you. It was a pleasure to catch up with you again. I appreciate you taking the time to stop by the Wellstack podcast. Appreciate it, Mark. Take care. And thank you to everybody for listening to episode two of the Wealthstack podcast with Danny Fava at InvestNet. Hope you found this to be very informative and very enjoyable. Uh, we'll be coming back to you in just about two weeks with episode three of the Wealthstack podcast, where we will do a deep dive on some of the behavioral technology that you can use to help better understand the way your clients are thinking and acting about their retirement plan. On behalf of Informa's Wealth Management Group, I'm Mark Bruno. Thanks for joining us. For the last 20 years, Nationwide has been committed to working with fee-based financial professionals like you to help prepare your clients for every phase of their financial lives. They do this by delivering innovative solutions, services, and support designed to complement the way you do business. To learn more, visit nationwideadvisory.com. And thank you to Nationwide for sponsoring the Wealthstack podcast.